This very special episode of the Main Event Talk podcast is brought to you by Rich's Billiards. 5815 Weber, not your average hero's new name, same place. And ladies and gentlemen, this is just one of three. One of three episodes. This is the one-year anniversary show, and we're going to kick this off right. And that is how you kick off the one-year anniversary show of the Main Event Talk Podcast. It is here and it is arrived. And that was Lift for This by Hatebreed off of the album The Rise of Brutality, which released uh, which was released somewhere, I believe it was in 2003, 2004 and everything. If you guys have never heard Hatebreed, you know, get a chance to listen to them on Spotify or wherever it is you listen to your favorite music. Welcome to the one-year anniversary show of the Main Event Todd Podcast. Yeah, I am once again the Main Event Player, the Super C. 
The God among gods, the king among kings, the coolest son of a motherfucking bitch walking God's green earth. It was one year ago today when the release of this podcast first made airwaves. And I gotta say, um, you know, from the moment when I did this Anchor app thing, you know, I I was still disappointed with it because the fact that it's been, you know, I usually just do these podcasts and... I do an hour, which I should do a whole lot more than an hour, which is very, very understandable in every way possible. But it's been over a year, and we've been doing a lot of episodes ever since then. And now here we are in 2020, and this is pretty much the worst, and let's call it like we see it. It's the worst year in history. But we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that we entertain you in every single way possible, especially in this episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. There's a lot we need to talk about. This is a three-part episode. So to give you guys an idea, the first part of this episode all involves what happened last night at AEW's uh, Fight for the Fallen, which took place at AEW Dynamite. And by the way, the ratings that came in and... Despite a two-week loss, AEW beats NXT this week. And by luck, I might add. (laughs) By luck. There's a reason for that. We'll talk about that in just a moment. We'll also talk about some of the matches that took place over at the Fight for the Fallen, including Jon Moxley defending the AEW World Heavyweight Championship against Brian Cage, and also um, a t- two teams that have never met before and now get an opportunity to meet each other as the artist formerly known as The Revival, known now as FTR, will take on the Lucha Brothers in a tag team match. Also, a six-man tag involving the Jurassic Park or J- Jurassic Express meeting the Elite. Also, for the uh, for the TNT Championship, Cody Rhodes defends the championship against Sonny Kiss. And I believe there was another matchup that took place. We talked about, uh, I think that's, there's a few more matches that I think took place over at the Fight for the Fall and everything, but we'll talk about that in just a moment. And that's just, this is just part one, by the way. Part two will be tomorrow, as a matter of fact. We're going to be doing this in the next couple of days because the anniversary show is today, which is, you know, this is the one-year anniversary and we got to talk about it. Part one is about Five for the Fall and part two is about Slammiversary. That's going to take place on Saturday, July 18th on pay-per-view. Several big matches are going to happen, including... Who is going to be the new Impact Wrestling World Champion? As you guys know, Tessa Blanchard, who was currently the champion at the time, has been released from the company, and word has it that Tessa Blanchard could possibly appear in the WWE. Although, in my personal view, she should just appear in AEW. But, to me, hearing and and seeing, seeing some things that I'm seeing over at the AEW roster, it's getting a little better. They're starting to bring in some new talent and starting to bring in some people that I am really enjoying, including Ivelisse. And holy shit, I can't wait for that girl to show up at AEW. And she's going to tear apart that whole damn roster. That's my opinion. That's my thought. But anyways, the Slammiversary, uh, the decision will be made as to who will be the next Impact Wrestling World Champion. Who will it be? Will it be Ace Austin? Will it be Trey? Will it be 
Eddie Edwards or will it be a mystery man? The word going around is that there have been several releases. You know about the releases from the WWE. There have been uh, a count of, what, 30 releases from the WWE? Some of them plan on appearing over at Impact Wrestling's Slammiversary event. Word is, one of them, there's a couple, you know, we can name a couple that used to work for Impact Wrestling, like EC3, he worked there. Eric Young, he worked there. Um, I'm trying to remember the other people that were released. But one person in particular that we know could possibly appear at the Slammiversary event is the man that took on Drew McIntyre two weeks ago on Monday Night Raw, which was his very last appearance on Monday Night Raw. Could this be the new chapter that we're all looking forward to seeing? Could we see Heath Slater be the fourth man and could possibly take the Impact Wrestling World Champion and then finally see him in the same level as Drew McIntyre and Jinder Mahal? We'll all have to find out this coming Saturday. That's part two, Slammiversary. And then, of course, part three of this anniversary show continues with, or concludes, actually, with WWE Extreme Rules, the horror show. Everybody knows about some of the matches that are going to be taking place, including the the ever-controversial eye for an eye match. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. An eye for an eye. Rey Mysterio going one-on-one against Seth Rollins. The winner has to have his eye plucked out of its damn socket. I don't know how in the world that's going to happen, but... <laughs> I don't know that it's just it's still kind of ridiculous to hear that you know just so fucking ridiculous but anyways um that matchup is going to take place and also a uh, a Wyatt Swamp fight is going to take place at Extreme Rules as well as Bray Wyatt the return of Bray Wyatt the eater of worlds will go one-on-one against his former pupil Braun Strowman and no the Universal Championship will not take place and the main event will definitely be talking about that Asuka will be defending the Raw Women's Championship against a former Raw Women's Champion in her own right Sasha Banks Bayley will also defend her Smackdown Women's Championship as that takes place against Nikki Cross and a lot of other matches that are going to be taking place and no doubt it's going to be coming out of thin air so to speak especially with the WWE in its state So that's what's going to take place. Part one, part two, and part three. Part one is today. Part two will be Friday. And then part three will be this coming Saturday. And the main event is going to be looking forward to checking out all three. Actually, I've seen the first event. And we're going to talk about it. I'm going to get a chance to see the second and possibly the third event when it happens. Now, before we continue, before we talk about fight for the fallen there's a couple things we need to address and we need to address it right here right now and we got to address it the right way and yes ladies and gentlemen not only is this the anniversary show it's also my birthday that's right the main event is turning 21 today which means i'll be able to finally drink and everything else like that now also in this episode uh i have talked about you know one year ago when i did this podcast i had mentioned that it was my birthday and everything else like that but there's a couple of other people 
that have a birthday as well. And as a matter of fact, I think the main event should go ahead and acknowledge them on this episode of the Main Event Talk podcast. Let's talk about one individual in particular who I've known for a very long time. He was a member of the ever-famous The Periwinkle Massacre, and he has his own rap deal going called Shy One. And he's also a very good friend of mine. I'm talking about Mondo himself. I, and, you know, usually um, a long time ago, uh, it was always me and Mondo. It was, you know, I, we, we used to call it Main Event Mondo Day from back in the day. That's the way it used to be. His birthday was on the 16th, and so was mine. And, and, you know, we share a common ground with that whole deal. Although there was one little incident that I know Mondo knows quite well, and I'm going to reveal this right here, right now, on this episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. And Mondo, if you're listening, you probably know what I'm talking about. After all, it's kind of a good thing that the picture did not show up. Did not show up at all. At Richard's Billiards, or at the time, Theo's. And I think Roxanne was a witness to the whole thing. You remember, don't you? You remember the whole thing with the cake? And when you threw... Well, I didn't say threw it in my face, but when you hit it in my face. Do you remember that? On my birthday? Yes. There's going to be a point, there's going to be a time when I find a way to get even. And it's been over ten years. But don't worry. I have time. I got the blueprints and everything ready. And Homestar is getting ready to send it to you in just a... I mean, um, <coughs> never mind. <laughs> and also, a big shout-out and another person who is celebrating a birthday today as well. And I got to address this as well because uh, she is not only uh, someone I've known for a long time as well. She is also the girlfriend of the lead singer of a band known as Shattered Sun by the name of Marcus Liao and I'm talking about his girlfriend Michelle Morales and she is celebrating a birthday as well along with myself and Mondo so this is officially a different different deal instead of it being called main event Mondo day we're now calling this uh, I would say main event shy one shattered Michelle day that's what it's now being called. Main event, shy one, you know, shattered, shattered Michelle Day. And that's what it's going to be called from now on. And we're now a part of this group, okay, which I've officially, I officially called it, I think, somewhere on Facebook. We're called the 716 Crew, 7 slash 16, which obviously means 7 being July and 16 being the day. So, we are celebrating a birthday. It's our birthday, so I just want to say happy birthday to Mondo and happy birthday to Michelle. Hope you guys are having a great birthday. And I did see a couple of things, including on her Instagram, where uh, I saw it on Facebook and her Instagram, where uh, I saw Marcos went ahead and he took a big fucking knife. He took he took a fucking machete and went ahead and just, I guess he opened uh, one of those uh, natural light seltzers, right? I've never tried those. I want to try those sometime. He goes ahead and opens it. Instead of, like, opening the can like you're supposed to, puts it on the side and just opens it from that side. You know, did the same for Michelle. And they were drinking, you know, practically from the side of the can. So that that was pretty cool. I like that. Now, also, besides those birthdays, I want to go ahead and get a couple of other birthdays out of the way, too. Because not only is it my birthday, Mondo's birthday, Michelle's birthday, it's also a couple of wrestlers' birthdays as well. 
the almighty Bobby Lashley. A big happy birthday to the almighty one. As you know, Bobby Lashley has had a tremendous success in the WWE. He was a former United States champion. He was also a former Impact Wrestling World Champion as well. And hopefully, hopefully in the near future, and hope to God that this happens. And WWE better not fuck this up because as a matter of fact... It was one year ago on my podcast that I mentioned, and I was listening to my podcast from one year ago, listening to it, and I mentioned something about hopefully in the future at SummerSlam, we get a chance to finally get the confrontation we've been waiting for, and that's Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. Now, that was one year ago. This year, I am hoping to God that we get that match. And here's the thing. Bobby Lashley is on a tremendous roll. Bobby Lashley has been competing against, you know, anyone and any anyone and anyone that gets in his way. Now, with MVP by his side, take, you know, imagine this if you will. SummerSlam is coming and you have Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman on his side, the advocate Paul Heyman against Bobby Lashley with MVP you got some smooth-talking wrestlers. You got guys who can cut some good promos. And Bobby Lashley, who was a former Bellator fighter, and Brock Lesnar, who was a former UFC fighter. So you get basically UFC versus Bellator in a WWE ring. And that would be something special to look at in every way possible. Now, speaking of a wishing happy birthday to Bobby Lashley, also in AEW, there's two other birthdays as well. And it's very, very funny that these two have the same birthdays as all of us. So... Not just Bobby Lashley, uh, also a member of, uh, over in AEW, um, believe it's a member of the American Nightmare team, you know, uh, Dust- Dustin Rhodes, uh, and, you know, everything else like that. QT Marshall is having a birthday and everything else like that, so happy birthday goes out to QT Marshall. And also a former wrestler now turned commentator for AEW. Um, Excalibur, you know the masked wrestler that you see, and I, I know that a lot of people are still wondering to this day, who, who the fuck is this Excalibur guy, and he used to be a wrestler, and everything else, I've seen him wrestle, and he's, he's pretty good, you know, and, you know, he's, he's now, um, you know, a commentator for AEW and everything, and he sounds pretty good, I mean, he's not the worst, but, you know, he can, he can, he can do a whole lot better. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to knock him and say that he completely sucks. He's good. He's very, very good. So, big happy birthday goes out to Excalibur, and big happy birthday goes out to QT Marshall, and, of course, WWE's Bobby Lashley. So, they are, I'm not sure how old they are, and I really don't care how old they are, <coughs> and everything else like that. And, once again, big happy birthday goes out to Michelle and to Mondo, and, of course, myself, the 716 crew, Getting together for this one time, one time only, and I hope you all are having great birthdays and everything else like that. Now, let's get a couple of things. Let's give you a couple of updates that are going on right now. Now, an update on the Taker episodes. I have not had an opportunity to do any more episodes, and I was almost about to do one, and there was a reason for that, which I'll get into in just a moment. But next week, or starting right after part three is over 
starting on Monday, we're going to get right back on track with this whole thank you taker bit and go ahead and start talking more about the career of The Undertaker, including the final confrontation between Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker, which took place over in 2014 in Hell in a Cell. We're going to talk about that. And also, uh, we're down to four parts right now. So hopefully we'll be able to discuss everything about not just, you know, the Hell in a Cell with Bobby Le- uh, with Brock Lesnar, but we're also going to talk about... Um, Undertaker's matchup with uh, Shane McMahon and also uh, the, I know the last part the last part of the uh, episode because it's going to be a 10 part episode we've already done we've already done six episodes and now all we got is seven eight nine and ten to go the last one 10 is going to feature everything for the last ride and my thoughts on is this really the Undertaker's last time is he really retired or is this really it? Is The Undertaker really retired? You know, we're all, all going to find out and everything, so be ready for that. Now, also, I mentioned about the whole uh, crazy thing that, I, you know, I was going to start this episode about uh, The Undertaker, right? So, I, I know some people are, have been wondering about the episode that I put out entitled F-U-J-M-P. Hashtag respect Selena. Now, now I refuse to acknowledge this person's name once again, but I think I'll just say this one time and one time only. So be prepared to find out who this guy is. The whole thing with the episode that I released, um, if you look for it, you can look for it on my main event talk episodes and you'll see one that says f-u-j-m-p now f-u obviously means and i'll say what it is f-u means fuck you and then the other letters on there means joe michael Perez and the hashtag respect selena now when i did that episode um i had a chance to look at the whole um the whole rally and the whole stupid thing that took place and you know i was sitting back and i kept thinking you know what you know, this guy's going ahead and he wants to, you know, be mayor for the city of Corpus Christi. And yet he's going ahead and dis- dis- desecrating the statue of Selena, you know, and he, he is a Trump supporter. OK, let's just get that out of the way. He's a Trump supporter and he wants to get he, he wants to take the mayor's seat in every way possible and wants to do that. Well, here's the thing. I've made my points clear on this. I I don't like the guy. I really don't. I don't have anything personal against him, but I don't like the guy because of what he did. And I, I think it was disrespectful for this man to go ahead and do what he did. And as far as I'm concerned, he's not getting my vote in any way possible. As a matter of fact, I don't think he's getting anyone's votes. I mean, as a matter of fact, uh, there was a poll that was out um, that asked the question, uh, should this man be mayor for the city of Corpus Christi. Now, if I looked at the percentage correctly, about over 83% in Corpus Christi, Texas said no, and about 16% said yes. So you can tell that uh, he's not exactly going to get a lot of votes with anyone at any time soon. So my personal thought on this is that I don't like the guy. I don't like that this dude disrespected Selena's uh, statue. And I know this is going to be an ongoing thing. And he's a politician. And I've said many times before, 
most politicians lie and he's pretty much on top of that list so it doesn't matter what this guy does it doesn't matter what this guy you know continues to pull off obviously he's going to try to continue to do the stuff that he's doing but all i can say about the guy is this and i want to reveal something because when this episode was released this past sunday uh i wasn't i wasn't getting uh i wasn't going to go ahead and try to you know just tag my usual the usual friends that I have that listen to this podcast. So I went ahead and I posted this this episode, right? I posted that episode about the whole thing about Selena and that dude and everything. I posted it on Channel 6 Twitter and on Channel 3's Twitter and on um, Channel 10's Twitter. I even did the same thing for their Facebooks as well. And, you know... I wasn't tr- I wasn't trying to get anyone's attention, but I was also getting people to understand that while everyone is uh quote unquote being stupid, ridiculous and out of their fucking minds, someone like me comes along and tries to set the record straight. Now, I have mentioned this before and I'll say it again. I was there at Selena's funeral, okay? I was there and I was surprised just you know, just as much as anybody because I had no idea that I was somehow related or, or, you know, connected to Selena. And there's a place in my heart and everyone else's hearts for Selena. And for this man to come out here and say that he loves her music and he has respect for her and everything else like that, sure has a funny way of showing it, especially with the things that he's done, you know? So my thing is, is that if you want to vote for this individual, you can. And this is the thing that I've also mentioned. I don't care if, if you're a Trump supporter or not. Okay? I don't care. I have several friends that are Trump supporters and I'm not going to I'm not going to tell them. I'm not going to tell them straight up, hey, we're not friends anymore because you're a Trump supporter. We're not friends anymore because we're Trump you're a Trump supporter. I'm not friends with you because you're a Trump supporter. You must let everyone Vote for whoever they want, whether it's stupid or not. Don't lose your friends over stupidity. Don't. Let them understand what they did wrong. And if they know what they did wrong, okay, then maybe they'll come over to the other side. But in the meantime, just let them do what they have to do. Most of these people that are looking at Donald Trump as a god and everything else like that, you have to let them understand you know what he is actually doing you have to look at every single thing that this guy has done you you can't just focus on the positive nobody i I don't give a rat's ass who you are you don't ever focus on the positives because that is all you look at in this person you gotta know the positives and the negatives of this person to make a decision that's what it is you don't go ahead and decide to vote for somebody just because of the positives that he's done and everything they're all going to exploit the negativity on each and each and every individual that tries to vote that tries to do everything so my thought is this i hate this guy i don't care for him i don't have anything personal against him but i didn't like how he desecrated selena's statue i didn't and no doubt he'll probably do something stupid like this somewhere in the, in the near future but my thought to you to all of you is this. You want to vote, you do it. You vote for the guy or you don't have to. That's my that's my tell to you. 
okay? And I'm not going to tell this guy that he's a Trump supporter. I shouldn't vote for him. No, if you if you choose to vote for him, that's fine. But although there are a lot of people that will probably tell this guy, don't vote for him. Don't vote for him because don't vote for a stupid man and everything else like that. You know how it goes. So to enclose this, to enclose this whole thing to you, you probably don't listen to this podcast and that's fine. And like I said before, I really don't care much for your politics. You're a politician and you're basically a liar, okay? And you can go ahead and tell me that I'm wrong or tell me that I have no idea what I'm talking about, that I'm delusional, that I don't have a brain, I don't have a functioning uh, a functioning brain to understand what's going on. But I do know what's right and I do know what's wrong. And what you did this past weekend was wrong. And even though that the city of Corpus Christi had told you, that, you know, even the Kintingeta family had sent you a letter stating that you must do a cease and desist. What did you do? Like any politician, you ignored it, you did what you did, and you caused a lot of problems over there. And also for all the people, here's the thing, and once again, all these stupid rallies and all these stupid protests, you know, we've got this whole COVID-19 going on, everyone's wearing masks and everyone is doing the whole social distancing thing, but yet the, the whole Black Lives Matter and the rallies and all this stuff, they don't even understand that you could possibly give someone the coronavirus. Now, I was someone that at one time didn't take this seriously, and I really didn't. I really didn't. But you have to take this seriously. You have to wear a mask. You have to, because now this has become more serious than ever, and it's affecting a lot of people, not just here in Texas, but all around the United States. So, guys, if you choose to do a rally, if you choose to do anything else, wear a mask, protect yourself, wash your hands, wash your face, you know, get hand sanitizers, do what you can. The main event's got plenty of hand sanitizers. Uh, the men's got the main event's got plenty of masks. And by the way, I'm I'm actually looking around to try to get my hands on a, on a type of mask, whether it's a wrestling mask or something like that. Not not like a cane mask or like that. Although that would be something to wear to work and everything else like that. Morning, guys. Oh fuck, it's cane. <laughs> that would be something interesting. So, once again, guys, please wear your mask. Please be safe. Don't do anything stupid. And to this individual, there's going to be a point and there's going to be a time where you're going to do something stupid again. And when you do, we're all going to be watching. We're all going to see what you do. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping to God that the Quintanilla family does get to you. And I hope they take you down for everything you have. Because while you may represent Corpus Christi, while you may live in Corpus Christi, Texas, while you were born and bred here in Corpus Christi, Texas, so am I. But the difference is, I represent Selena. I stand for what's good and what's right, just like Selena. And I also said that putting Selena next to Donald Trump would be bad. But in many ways, it's good because people will look at this as evil versus good, bad versus good. The good being Selena, the bad being Donald Trump. That is pretty much an example of what good and evil looks like. And people will see that head to toe. So all I can say is F-U-J-M-P. 
Hashtag respect Selena. Take that. Okay, now that we got that stuff out of the way, let's get into the new segment that we did last week. Now, uh, believe it or not, we've done this seg, uh, we've done this segment last week, and now we're gonna do this seg. Well, actually, it, to be honest, I didn't do this segment last week. As a matter of fact, I did this a couple of days ago, and now we're gonna go ahead and do this again. And the segment is entitled "On This Day," and we're gonna look back at several of the "On This Days" that happened in the past couple of days. It was July 11th, Bash at the Beach 1999, where the WCW World Heavyweight Championship will be decided as the Macho Man Randy Savage and Sid Vicious teamed up to take on the team of Sting and the World Heavyweight Champion, the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, Kevin Nash. And the crazy thing about this championship match is whoever pins the champion becomes the champion whether it's the macho man or whether it's sting or even uh sid vicious now keep in mind this is this was a tag team match and it was one of the strangest things i've ever seen in my life and (laughs) it's still crazy to this day and i don't know how people managed to pull this off but nonetheless the macho man randy savage would not only pin kevin nash he would win the wcw world heavyweight championship And if memory serves me correctly, I think that was his last world title run. So I believe the Macho Man was a, I'm going to say a six or seven time world champion. That took place over at WCW Bash to the Beach, July 11th of 1999. That was something very, very special to look at. July 12th of 1998, Bash at the Beach. And this was one of the most unique Bash at the Beaches ever. At a time when WCW was at its highest point, featured the match that everyone was looking forward to checking out. On one side, you had Diamond Dallas Page and the mailman Carl Malone, who was a part of the Utah Jazz, taking on the team of NWO's Hollywood Hulk Hogan and the worm Dennis Rodman, who was a part of the Chicago Bulls. Now, as most of you guys know, back in 1998, the Utah Jazz and the Chicago Bulls went at it for the finals, and the Chicago Bulls winning with Dennis Rodman winning another ring on his finger. But now this would be a different ring, featuring the superstars of WCW. And this would also be the first time that Goldberg would defend the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, and he would defend it against a former champion in Kurt Henning. And at that time, Goldberg was undefeated, and he was at 111 victories with no losses. He defeated Kurt Henning within minutes, and he would make Kurt Henning victim number 112. 112 and 0. And then came the matchup that everyone in the sports world has been talking about. Dennis Rodman and Hollywood Hulk Hogan to take on Diamond Dallas Page and Carl Malone. And this was a very athletic contest and everything. Although I got to admit, though, the fans were a little bit behind Rodman a whole lot more than they were behind the mailman. But the mailman had a lot of skill, a lot of potential, and he was a pretty damn good wrestler in the ring. I ain't gonna lie, for a guy that tall to play in the NBA, he certainly knows how to wrestle. And he certainly got some of the best training from Diamond Dallas Page and others who helped him out along the way. And at the end, Dennis Rodman 
prove why he was a champion and Hulk Hogan prove why he was a champion as well. When they both defeated Diamond Dallas Page and the mailman Carl Malone. A victory for the NWO. This was back in July 12th of 1998, Bash at the Beach. Another big event that took place, the same event, Bash at the Beach, around July 13th, and this was in 1997, and it featured the same duo that I'm talking about, Dennis Rodman and Hulk Hogan. This would be the first time that Dennis Rodman would step into a WCW ring, and he would team up to take on the Giant and the Total Package Lex Luger. This was a match that was headlines all over the world from ESPN and every other sports outlet in the world because everyone was talking about Dennis Rodman coming into the ring for the first time, teaming up with Hulk Hogan to take on Lex Luger and the Giant. And a lot of people were very surprised of Dennis Rodman, especially when he was in the ring with Hollywood, and he did a tremendous job doing... You know, a couple of flips and everything, jumped all over the ring, did a few clotheslines, a couple of body slams. Dennis Rodman showed the big show, and well, the giant, but he's also called the big show. But he definitely showed the giant and Lex Luger that this man is not to be messed with in any way possible. But in the end, Dennis Rodman and Hulk Hogan may have underestimated Lex Luger and the giant. But you have to keep in mind, Dennis Rodman is in a wrestling ring. This is not the courts. This is the wrestling ring, and you're in there with three of the best, from Hulk Hogan to the Giant and the total package Lex Luger. And at the very end, Rodman and Hogan tasted defeat at the hands of Lex Luger and the Giant at Bash at the Beach, July 17th of 1997. And also, on this day, as a matter of fact, on the 16th, today which uh, the main event will hopefully get an opportunity to check it out. And I'll probably mention this on my main event talk podcast when I have the opportunity. It was July 16th of 1995. Hulk Hogan, at that time, he was a WCW World Heavyweight Champion, and he defended his championship against the Mastodon known as Vader. And I will get to that and so much more. And also, the Macho Man Randy Savage took on Ric Flair in a lifeguard match, which also took place at Bash of the Beach as well. That happened at uh, July 16th on my birthday in 1995. Oh, and not to mention, there was also another event that took place on the 16th, and that was TNA wrestling's i believe it was victory road and i believe sting took on jeff jarrett for the tna world heavyweight championship a long story on that and oh no I, oh, okay i'm sorry i'm sorry it was a fatal four-way match to determine who would be the number one contender to take on jeff jarrett for the nwa world heavyweight championship it would be samoa joe Take it on Christian, take it on Sting, and take it on Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner. That took place in TNA on July 16th of 2006. And the main event knows that quite well, and hopefully I'll get an opportunity to check out that event when it happens. Okay, guys, we don't have, we don't have much time to get into this whole situation. So, let's go ahead and get right into the whole fight for the fall and everything else like that. So, <coughs> Fight for the Fallen, which took place, um, which took place last night, and I had a chance to see some of it, as a matter of fact, and I gotta admit, it was a tremendous event, uh, I digged it, let's see if I could, um, (laughs) it was here somewhere, (laughs) Fight for the Fallen, here we go, 
Last night's event was pretty good, and I was very, very surprised that John Moxley had showed up, especially when you know that he was tested positive for COVID-19, but a few days ago, he was tested negative, so that means he has an opportunity to come into the ring and take on Brian Cage. I'll get into that matchup in just a moment. Trying to see if I can look for the Wikipedia page for the results and everything. Okay, here we go. We got the results right here. The first matchup that took place, it was Cody Rhodes taking on Sonny Kiss for the AEW TNT Championship. This matchup was pretty good. And uh, I I can do away with the whole dancing routine. And, <laughs> and this is the thing, I, with, with all due respect, um, while I like, and I'll admit this, I like Sonny Kiss, as a competitor, okay? I like Sonny Kiss as an athlete. I think Sonny is pretty good. But I know there's some people are probably thinking, well, you do realize that this dude's a... And I'm not going to mention it because that would be disrespectful. Because I know that, look... And here's the thing, and I'm going to get this out of the way. Yes, I understand that this this guy looks like a dude, okay? But remember Goldust? Enough said. That's all you have to know. But here's the thing, guys. Don't underestimate someone just because they look a certain way, okay? You have to give them a chance. You have to give them a chance all the way because you'll be surprised of what this individual can actually bring to the table, so to speak, you know? But anyways, these two put on a hell of a matchup. Cody has shown why he is a champion in every way possible. And Sonny Kiss, I gotta admit, put on everything and so much more, you know? And... You can never underestimate someone like a Sunny Kiss. I mean, don't let the whole look fool you. I mean, if you if you think that, oh, well, this dude can't fight for shit and he is who he is, I got news for you. And this is me talking. I've met a lot of people like Sunny Kiss who look like that. And they may look like women, but they will beat the shit out of you, okay? That is the fucking truth, all right? I, I know that for... Not that I've been through something like that, but I've seen it. I've looked at it, and I said, uh-uh, I'm not touching that, okay? You want to, you go ahead, but if you get your ass kicked by some guy that looks like a dude or some guy that looks like a woman, man, oh, man, everyone's going to be talking a whole lot of shit about you. But anyways, Sonny Kiss put on a tremendous show, put on a hell of a match with Cody, and Cody... You know, there's a reason why he's a champion, and everyone sees why. Cody Rhodes wins the championship once again. Well, holds on to the championship by defeating Sonny Kiss. And Sonny Kiss, um, big congratulations go out to Sonny uh, for putting on one hell of a match against um, Cody Rhodes. And never underestimate him. Never. I don't care what you think, what you do, and everything else like that. Never underestimate him. The next matchup that took place was FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Harwood to take on the team of the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr., and Ray Phoenix. Now, I'm admit, I'll admit that I, you know, obviously I am a huge fan of the revival, FTR that is, and also I really like the Lucha Brothers. You know, the Lucha Brothers are, uh, I've followed their career since, uh, well obviously they've been around for a while, but I first heard about them right through the whole, uh, I think it was, what was it, um, uh, 
memory serves me correctly, what did they... You, ah, Lucha Underground. I was about to say Union Underground. I don't know why I was going to say that. But yeah, they were in uh, Lucha Underground. I remember when Pentagon, uh, Pentagon Jr. was known as Pentagon Dark back at that time. And then all of a sudden, um, what you call it? I think uh, Ray Phoenix was the first... What was he? The Ray? Oh, that's right. Ray Phoenix was was a former Lucha Underground champion. The triple, uh, triple Lucha Underground triple tag team champion, and then won the Gift of the Gods championship. I mean, that's what I remember from that person. But uh, this, you know, the team is tremendous. I like uh, Lucha, the Lucha Brothers, a whole lot. Uh, but FT, this is a different, unique style because on one side you got a team that is pretty much shaped like the Four Horsemen and team like the Midnight Express, and that's what's so good about this team. The thing that's so good about FTR is they're old school. They they do things by the book. They know what tag team wrestling is all about and everything. And in no disrespect to the Lucha Brothers, I mean I I think they're a great tag team, but they do sloppy tag team work. I'm sorry. I, I know some people are going to say, well, what about their their unique tags and their unique, you know, high-flying ability? That doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I mean, they can fly off the fucking air for all I care. It's all about not only cooperation, but also understanding your partner in every way possible. They do understand each other. Certainly no question because they're, you know, they both speak Spanish and you know how this whole, whole fucking thing goes. But... They they are more into the lucha style as opposed to the tag team American style that FTR brings to the table. So both teams did tremendous. Both teams did great, and pretty much my prediction. I was already going with FTR all the way, and they pretty much showed why. Because here's the thing: FTR, regardless of what anyone thinks about this this team. They are the former NXT champions, tag team champions, former Raw tag team champions, former SmackDown tag team champions. And I know that that doesn't mean anything to everyone. To me, it means a whole lot, especially for them to be a part of several big time events, winning titles and everything in the WWE. Now that they're in AEW, they're here to conquer and they're here to take the tag team world by storm. And they're going to fix the tag team division, whether anybody likes it or not. And the Lucha Brothers just became the next victims. The first was the Butcher and the Baker and the Candlestick Maker. Uh, I mean, the Butcher and the Blade. And now it's the Lucha Brothers. And it's only going to be a matter of time, folks. Only going to be a matter of time before we see FTR take on the Young Bucks. And all I can say about that is just wait. Just wait. I'm not going to I'm not going to go ahead and sit by and think, "Oh, well it's not going to happen." Oh, it's going to happen. Just give it time. I mean, they may look like baby faces for right now, but they're going to be heels before you know it. And you know what the sad part is? If they become heels, they will be the most popular tag team in the history of AEW. Mhm. Yep, absolutely. Just look for that, wait for it, and see what the fuck's going to happen in every way possible. Now, let's move on to the next matchup, if you don't mind. The Elite of Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, taking on Jurassic Express, <coughs> Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and the ever-child that he is known for as Marco Stunt. Now, 
Not going to suspense with the formalities on this one. The Elite won. They defeated Jurassic Express. Uh, I feel that it's only going to be a matter of time before Jungle Boy probably separates himself from the pack. Luchasaur is a tremendous athlete. He needs to do something. And Marco Stunt just needs to get out of the fucking wrestling business because he looks like a fucking child that I saw across the street. Okay? It's not going to work. Okay? As far as the elite goes, Kenny Omega looked like he was about to turn heel. Okay, I'm... I'm I'm not gonna get into detail about this whole shit with Kenny Omega. All and it was funny because one year ago when I talked about Kenny Omega, I said that this dude was not gonna amount to anything. This dude is a star, but he's not a major star, and he's still not a major star. It was one year ago. He had a matchup with Chris Jericho and he lost, and then he got tapped out by um, uh, what's his face, the the bastard Pack. And yes, he may be tag team champions, but does that really mean anything anymore? I mean, come on. It's only going to be a matter of time before Paige becomes, you know, turns on Omega. Omega turns on, you know, Paige or whatever. And and unfortunately, the sad part is Kenny Omega doesn't get it. He's trying to turn heel, right? And he's going to try and he may turn on his partner. Who knows? The thing is that Kenny Omega doesn't get is that he is going to actually make Hangman Adam Page look good. Because everyone likes Hangman a whole lot more than Kenny Omega for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's an adult. He don't drink milk unless he's working out, whichever comes first. And number two, Hangman looks like a star. And Kenny Omega may look like a star, but he has a long way to go to figure out how to be a star. But nonetheless, that will happen in the near future. We'll see what happens. Okay. The next matchup was the Nightmare Sisters of Ali and Brandy Rhodes taking on the team of MJ Jenkins and Kinsey Page. I'm not going to suspense with the formalities on this one. Ali and Brandy Rhodes are uh, together as a team. They're dysfunctional. They win their match. It's over. <sighs> Let's go to the next match. John Moxley going one-on-one against the machine Brian Cage with Taz in his corner. And here's the thing. I love how this is going with Brian Cage and Taz. I think that this is a, a team that that is going to make waves. And you got Taz who cuts the best promos. He's great as a manager. Brian Cage and... While everyone else doesn't want to talk about the credentials of Brian Cage, Brian Cage is a former Lucha Underground champion. Brian Cage is a former Impact Wrestling World champion. He has a lot of potential, and he is great. But up against a guy like John Moxley, who has held titles in the WWE and has defeated some of the best and some of the toughest that this industry has ever seen, and John Moxley is the current AEW world champion and you expect the machine to take down the lunatic that is John Moxley. Well, Moxley did everything in his power to take down the machine and the machine learned straight up that Moxley is going to do what he can and even when he said to Taz, when I defeat your monster, I'm going to throw the finger at you and everything else like that, which he did. He did during the matchup. And then I know some people have asked me the question, why did Taz go ahead and just throw the towel in? And Jim Ross was the one that smartly said, and I quote, you can't exactly 
you can't exactly win the title if your arm is injured. And that is true in most cases. And what Taz did may have been the right call because, you know, John Moxley had his arm and, he, and his arm's been, uh, you know, in surgery before. And Moxley's a very smart individual. I mean, yes, he's the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Don't think this dude's not a dummy. I mean, don't think this, this dude's a dummy. He's very, very smart at what he does. That's why he went after Brian Cage's arm. And that's why he did what he did. And Brian Cage could have submitted if he wanted to. But Taz was trying to think about himself and also think about the, the welfare of Brian Cage. Which is why he threw the towel. Which is why he did what he did. And it happened. And yes, John Moxley is still... The AEW World Champion and Brian Cage may not be happy with the decision, but no doubt this feud between John Moxley and Brian Cage will continue, but with an added incentive. That's right, an added incentive. Now, if anybody remembers Double or Nothing from a couple of couple of months ago. Brian Cage took out somebody and was out for a while, for a past couple of months. And then this man reappeared before everyone else, and it's the first time we've seen this man in a very long time. And now he's back stronger than ever, better than ever, and I'm talking about the skateboard freak known as Darby Allen. Darby Allen came in for the save while Brian Cage was attacking John Moxley, and then Taz was taking, you know, Brian Cage away. John Moxley was looking face to face at Darby Allen. Darby Allen was looking face to face at him, and no doubt we see a possible matchup between Darby Allen and John Moxley for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Now, let me go ahead and explain something here because. We're almost out of time, and we're going to go ahead and get to the next part here. There's one thing that I wanted to show up here. Uh, hopefully, if I see it. Ah, here we go. Okay, now, these are the ratings. These are the total ratings for the whole show involving AEW and NXT. NXT, NXT did pretty good and everything else like that, but the ratings. The ratings for NXT were 6,300... Wait, uh, six, 631,000 viewers... 631,000, and AEW had 7,788,000 uh, viewers. So, AEW wins over NXT, and that's, you know, the past two weeks has been nothing but NXT here, NXT there, and this week, AEW wins with Fight for the Fallen. And, and I, I think it's only, there's a couple of reasons why, why that took place. Number one, Number one, the whole thing with John Moxley appearing, and also, oh, and also, there's one other thing. Nyla Rose has revealed her manager, and her manager is none other than the late great Eddie Guerrero's wife, Vicky Guerrero. Vicky Guerrero is now the manager of of Nyla Rose, and all I can say about that is, hmm, we're gonna be seeing a lot of good things about this, and I'm, I'm liking this. And the AEW women's division is getting a whole lot better. Not just because of the addition of Vicky Guerrero being a part of Nyla Rose, but also the addition of Evil Lease. Yes, 
Evil Lease is going to be a part of AEW. And all I know is I can't wait to see that girl tear apart that entire women's division and become the next AEW women's champion. It's only going to be a matter of time because the baddest bitch is going to take down anyone that gets in her way. And she may look hot. She may be Cuban. But don't. Don't un- well, she's Puerto Rican, I think. Puerto Rican. I could be wrong. But don't underestimate her. She will tear your fucking head off. <laughs> so that's going to do it for my review of AEW's Fight for the Fallen. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Main Event Talk episode. This is just part one, ladies and gentlemen. Fight for the Fallen is done. And we still have a long way to go. Part two, we're going to talk about Impact Wrestling's Slammiversary, all the events, including who will become the next Impact Wrestling World Champion, and then Part 3 will conclude with WWE's Extreme Rules The Horror Show. What's going to take place in that event, live as it happens on pay-per-view and on the WWE Network. So, for right now, I just want to go ahead and take this opportunity to say thank you to all the birthday wishes and thank you for this one-year anniversary, and we still have a long, long way to go. So all I can say is to all the people that have been paying attention to this Main Event Talk podcast, I thank you. To everyone that has followed the Main Event Talk podcast, I thank you. To all the people that have been following the Main Event Talk Facebook page and follow me around everywhere I go, talking this whole wrestling that I do and everything else like that, I say thank you. And to everyone wishing the main event a happy birthday, I thank you as well. So guys, I'm out of here and I will see you tomorrow with part two of Slammiversary and then part three, WWE Extreme Rules. Guys, this is only just beginning and the anniversary show will continue tomorrow. So